Welcome to Happy Times and Places, which is also a slightly echoey place for about 15 seconds as I had to get the sound for that part of the podcast from a slightly inferior source. Other than that, though, it's generally me, Toby Haydoke, accentuating the positive on a Doctor Who story chosen by a friend of mine. Hello, Toby. Uh, my name is James Goss, and I write uh, things for Big Finish. I write target novels, and, well, that's what I do. And uh, you've asked me to nominate a story, and I'm nominating For to Doomsday because nobody else will, because they're all wrong. Because For to Doomsday is For to Doomsday. And I hope you're about to enjoy For to Doomsday as much as it's given me pleasure over many, many years since I first saw it. Well, <clears throat> welcome everybody back to this particular run of Happy Times and Places where the place is a big old spaceship with a hydroponic centre, some excellent sets and some fine lighting, uh, and the happiness comes from the, the, the sets and the fine lighting, uh, <laughs> but maybe some other places as well. I'm in quite a buoyant mood this evening. Uh, sometimes these things are simply dictated by uh, what uh, what's, what's going on. Uh, it's not even what's going on. I have no external stimuli have cheered me up. I just happen to be bouncier this evening right anyway you don't need to know do you you don't care about you toby what, what we just care about doctor who quite right too so uh we're gonna watch from the beginning i am watching episode three accompanied by james goss of four to doomsday and i'm gonna get it to start in three two one So, of course, we're in the beginning of uh, the second week. I suppose it's a bit like Doctor Who these days, isn't it? Is that you get 50 minutes of Doctor Who over the course of a week. It's just this was split up into weekdays. I was never very happy with it being on uh, weekdays because I had at this time been sent to boarding school, not because we're posh, because we didn't have any money and uh, mum had, got, had to go back to work. And so a local school took me and paid for by a charity. So I was only down the road, but it meant I slept there. But that meant, uh... oh no, did that happen this year? You don't care, it doesn't matter. No, I actually saw this go out. That happened next year. That was to come. I was blissfully ignorant of the fact that the following year I was going to miss Doctor as it went out. I saw these go out uh, live, watched on a black and white portable television. Though it's funny because I don't see this in black and white. Uh, I see it in colour, although when I first did see it, we had a black and white telly. We didn't get a colour telly for quite some time. The two doctors, I think. That's terrifying, isn't it? Um, so, uh, Philip Locke. I love Philip Locke, and I'm really liking his performance in this. I'd had a difficulty with it. I, th I think he says by Zeus at one point in a later episode that's not especially convincing. But anyway, I, I love this sort of sing-song melancholy that he has um and he had a fine stage career he was um i we i used to watch quite often i'm a big fan of the play anthony and cleopatra and there was a there was an rsc version that before before they did sort of national theater live and stuff they did a they sort of did a televised version it was the stage production but it was a really well filmed they sort of thought about how to present it on camera production of Anthony and Cleopatra, Richard Johnson and Janet Suzman were the title roles, and um, 
Patrick Stewart was Ina Barbas, and a very leering Agrippa, which in the play itself is sort of basically, you know, one of Caesar's henchmen guys, but Philip Locke and Patrick Godfrey were Agrippa and Macenus, and, and uh, I think they've rolled a couple of, you know, they gave them a few extra lines, rolled a couple of parts into them. And he's a really he's a really memorable Agrippa, but he'd, uh, he was, of course, also Peter Quince in the very famous Peter Brook Midsummer Night's Dream, which also starred Tommy off of Planet of the Spiders. John Kane was Puck and uh, Philip Locke was Peter Quince and in a landmark, um, you know, world changing production uh, set on, you know, trapezes on a, on a white set. Anyway, um, the Chinaman, oh dear. Um, but I, I, I like all of this you know pondering on what existence means you know is 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 bygone any less in existence because he is uh, uh, you know a, a load of different circuits in the same way that actually if you boil us down to our constituent parts although it is flesh we are in the flesh time it is the flesh that uh, transmits our neurons and our thoughts and our you know and, and, and powers us via oxygen and you know how how we process different things to make this organic vehicle move. What? Why is that any different to a series of, uh, uh, you know, electronic uh, cables and uh, silicon chips and all of that? And uh, yeah, external and internal. Yeah, the organs aren't too bad, Monarch. But let's not get into that. What about love? Is that's a very that's the great. Uh, you know, cliche of what you say, isn't it, to a machine in science fiction? But I, I like the way that Enlightenment describes it as the exchange of two fantasies. Uh, and now Adric wades in, and wouldn't it be lovely if Adric was being full of guile and conning Monarch in order to find things out? Uh, but no, Adric's just being stupid. <laughs> so, um, I don't know what, why they thought that to to make him constantly wrong, <laughs> and usually for a hot-headed, impetuous, and and not very likable um, reason motivation. What? Why anyone thought that was a good idea? I've no idea, and I do feel sorry for Matthew Waterhouse because it's it's. There's there's no irony. There's no twinkle in in what he does. He's a prick. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, and, and it's suddenly it's suddenly kicked in, hasn't it? Because we haven't really had the plot kick in, and now suddenly we're going. Oh, everyone's an android, and Monarch wants to invade the Earth. What? Hang on. Was was there any real sort of statement about that? Well, that was it. Um, So, yeah, so this is, we're suddenly getting a big, big uh, info dump. It's an interesting way to tell the story, isn't it? Because this is essentially V, or the Claws of Axos. Aliens turn up and go, we're really nice. Well, this is what Monarch's planning to do. Um, but but actually are there for nefarious means. Now, the way they've decided to tell this story is that we, we, don't, we don't get to Earth. 
um, uh, because this story ends before Monarch's plan is put into operation. Uh, yeah, that's... See, I'm not having just eulogised, but I wasn't a great fan of the way he says with this, he will conquer Earth. It's a very odd bit of emoting that when he's when he's doing the sort of subtle strange you know slight melancholy rather well that uh, that desperation about conquering earth well, I, I would say it was not his metier was because he's not not a stranger to genre he's Vargas in Thunderball Vargas does not drink does not sleep does not make love uh, he's what a series of uh, wonderful parts he had a proper Oh, just in those days when actors just worked and worked. Playing all sorts of great parts on stage, then nipping in to do a bit of telly, making the odd film. Oh, heaven. I love the way that my father was killed by a tyrant, as if that's some sort of job description. Uh, yeah, I, you know, yes, I, I, I don't trust... Uh, you know, I can understand you sort of saying, I, I, I don't trust helicopters. My my father was killed in a helicopter. But uh, but tyrant, tyrant is a slightly... It's it's a slightly less exact uh, <laughs> demarcation, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's that my my father was killed by a baddie. Is essentially what she's saying. Is he doing a sort of Greek? Uh, I suppose he's doing a sort of the way that Greek drama was done. It was very um, declamatory and involved hand movements because they wore masks. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here because I've sort of enjoyed him. I knew there was a reason. Yeah. Now, that's all a bit weird, isn't it? Monarch believes that he will meet himself. So Monarch is an absolute fruit loop. <laughs> which, which again, I mean, does it mean that Stratford John should be doing more? No, I. and, and apparently some of the crew told Stratford John's was a bit too over the top. Um, I, I actually think there's an argument to say I really like his performance, but there's an argument to say he could he could chew the scenery a bit more, seeing as he's playing somebody who thinks he's God. I I, I think it really really works that he he is he is so uh, he's not underplaying it because he's not mumbling it, but he's he's casual in his power and his confidence, which I enjoy. That's it, Adric. You tell the bad guy everything. Time and relative. Yes, it's uh, it's quite chatty at the moment. This isn't it, which is aware. I'm aware what I've, I've, I've got to be. Um, yeah, you. Mind your manners, my dear. Yeah, he's he is great. Strap for Johns. Um, I think it's kind of <laughs> yes, Adric. You tell them about the bathroom. Another, another, another uh, shortcoming of the flesh. Time. Um, he's yes, he's guileless, isn't he, Adric? Um, and I, 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 I obviously I spent a very nice weekend with uh, with Matthew Waterhouse. Um, walks in a funny way as well yeah yes because you well you've because you figured him out one only harms that which one fears I like that that's very good um, there's some elegant lines in this 
I have free will. Oh, so he's got a right. Oh, poor old Bygan, therefore, is, has spent, what is it, 2,500 years wanting to do something about it, and he's not been able to. God, they must be bored. I mean, Fort of Doomsday is, uh, takes place during the most exciting time on this spaceship, uh, and it's not that exciting. So poor old Bygan has had to spend 2,500 years prior to this when Doctor Who wasn't there. It's no wonder he's slightly sli slightly unsure how to convey emotion. <laughs> Very good at energetic. Uh, yeah, he's at, 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 at keeping the keep. Yeah, see that that high pitched, tricky thing that he does. Uh, we'll, yeah. He, he he is racing to keep tenants very good at this as well of 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 keeping the drama heightened by it also gets exposition out nice and quickly of 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 doing it as a sort of frantic um uh, you, you know call to arms in a way of i'm yeah i'm getting this out because because we've got somewhere else to be to stop the bad things happening and it's a very clever decision especially in a story that involves lots of wandering up and down a spaceship. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, now I got a feeling T Nissa gets hypnotised, isn't it? I think this might be a track on the Doctor Who the Music uh, album that I still have somewhere on vinyl. Uh, yeah. It's actually not much. You can't really get down and boogie to it. It's not the. Uh, it's. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yes, do do. Yeah, it's quite funky, but it's not. You know, it's not what you put on to get jiggity to. <laughs> so I put it on a lot because I did more of putting on unjiggity music than I did <laughs> getting jiggity. Um, No, it's not, Monarch, but you have, you and your bad guys have not risen from your chairs for the whole episode, so uh, the, the audience's patience is not inexhaustible either. Um, uh, so, this has been, that's nice. Oh, so this is, right, so you've got a bit of fun now with uh, the Doctor going around and distracting the Monopticons, uh, uses his cricket ball to do it, which is rather nice. Um, and and gives the gives the sonic screwdriver a little sort of whirl in order to spin the monopticons round, and that's a that's a great effect. Uh, so that's fun. Always feels nice when the doctor starts to sort of undermine the status quo. Uh, I, st I still am entirely unsure why Monarch thinks he's God, unless, uh, apart from, I guess, the fact that he's just... He's just, right. The creator. Yeah. Yeah. That, I haven't entirely got to grips with that part of Monarch's motivation, but I kind of like it, and I don't know why. Maybe because it's slightly unclear. This is a terrible waste of Bert Quark, isn't it? An OBE. Uh, I will one day do a podcast about uh, people in Doctor Who who've been honoured by the Queen 
uh, because I'm quite proud of the fact that the earliest person chronologically in Doctor Who's history uh, to get one uh, in terms of when, when they appear or are involved in Doctor Who uh, is not is not somebody you would think had one. Um, it's probably not somebody you even think about at all because their contribution is so minor even to the story that they're uh, uh, involved with that you wouldn't have thought that they would be somebody who who had an MBE, but they are. But we will wait until we do that story, which nobody has... Co- oh, somebody has chosen it, but they haven't done it. Anyway, uh, but uh, Bert Kwok uh, definitely deserved uh, his OBE for his... I think he was an OBE for contributions to drama. Cato uh, in the uh, Inspector Clouseau films always put a smile on our faces as a family and then he was you know the contrast of that him playing general yamuchi in the brilliant series tenko um shows just what a fine actor he was and he was still working you know up until he only died three or four years ago maybe five now as i record this but he was still very much part of the part of the cultural furniture and uh i never had the pleasure unfortunately a legend uh, and I mean playing a t- really terrible part in this <laughs> you uh, the, the good thing about the TARDIS crew is that you really want to spend time hanging around with them because they're identification figures and such good fun um, whereas of course in real life if you knock somebody out you I mean causing somebody a concussion enough to knock them out is uh, is is extremely dangerous and if you liked them no no she's right to go um, <laughs> see that's beautiful that doorway and that that light and but it there is an awful lot of walking about isn't there um I still don't think I mind it uh Although if there was a story like this today, I would probably be quite irritated because I'd be thinking about the general public. And I do remember at the time crying out for an actual invasion. I remember that the title excited me so much. I think I said this in episode one. Um, although I still don't... Is it is it the four lead characters to Doomsday? Is it four days to Doomsday? Or is it both? Um another great set there i mean it, i know it's just a few pot plants stuck about but uh it's it's elegantly done and the whole the colors are nice it looks really good um and i think they had to work quite hard in those days it just goes to show in those days they had to work quite hard i think to get the 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 the, the extras playing the uh ethnic characters i i i, I think uh, I mean, because there've always been agencies that have specialised in. I mean, even in the early seventies, Christopher Coombe, who's in *The Mind of Evil*, had a, an agency that specialised in, uh, you know, actors of different ethnicities. So that if there was uh, a production that was set in a particular country, you know, he sort of got it sewn up. Although it didn't work particularly well, because in *Mind of Evil*. He ended up being in it because the actor he provided, uh, Andy Ho, uh, was 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 deemed not good enough and fired. But anyway, we'll do that in Mind of Evil. But um, but even so, I think because obviously they're not actors, they're not speaking parts. So 
an agency, you'd need an extras agency, really. And I, I've got a feeling that the uh, extras uh, playing playing these characters came came from the local Chinese restaurant. I'm sh I'm sure that was. Uh, I'm I'm sh I'm sure I'm sure that's not a myth. It might be a myth. We can have myths in this because I haven't done my homework. I am reacting. I'm doing what, Fra what Fraser Signs always said when we did commentary. So I think I think the audience prefer it if they get my immediate reactions. It's like what you mean there, Fraser, is you prefer not to do your homework, <laughs> which he's uh, under absolutely no obligation to be. But don't pre don't pretend you're doing it for the audience. <laughs> um, so Lin Fuji did get something to do there. He got to eavesdrop a little bit. Uh, in order, I think, to go and report to, to... Oh, gosh! Isn't this the funny scene where she... Doesn't she do a bit where she takes off and has the strangest reaction to materialising in space? Um, yes. Oh, it's all coming back to me. I haven't watched this for ages. Um, oh, right. So, that's it. By its use. Oh dear! He's <laughs> uh, an interesting because he's a really, really good actor, and I think it's a really, really lovely performance. But that doesn't mean those two things always produce perfection. Um, yes, the the devils. <laughs> um, but that that's an interesting idea. The uh, the idea that you know you yeah you you basically you put yourself all you put yourself onto a hard disc. Uh, and the, and yeah, your your body is used to fertilise the flowers, which is you know that's that's good and sensible recycling. So, I I I think that what's nice is that you could put a very good case for what Monarch is up to. So they've had to add this thing that he's slightly mad and believes he's God. Um, but but I think and I, and you know the fact that you know he was quite calm about Nyssa being a threat to him because he, she wasn't really a threat to him because he thinks he's God, so he doesn't fear things. But I think there needs to be something somewhere where where, where, there's, where there's fear or danger or somebody up to no good. I suppose Nyssa, Nyssa have... Ah, so right, here we go. That's what you want. This little me would have immediately perked up at this point. Somebody's got a laser gun. Uh, there's the, uh, somebody, this is the bit, somebody brandishing a laser gun in Doctor Who should never be underestimated. It's the sort of thing I loved as a kid. Um, Janet Fielding is working very, very hard there. Um, I think her hands are working slightly better than her face. Oh, not for me. Oh, he's such a lovely character. He's really nicely written, uh, actually. He's, and he's a really, I think he is a really lovely, well, he's a philosophical character, isn't he? Uh, it's, all, it's all rather polite, isn't it? Um, nobody's hiding. Because, uh, of course, they've set it up that the androids just have motor functions, so that they're obviously no threat to anybody. Um, 
And by the way, I've got concussion and need immediate medical attention. I love the way he does this. Uh, Paul Shelley is brilliant. He's only had about four lines this episode. Um, I, oh, this is the bit where... Because you don't really know what's going on at this point. What I, I, and she's crying tears and everything, but, but, the ship hasn't taken off. It now has taken off, but I don't know what Tegan's doing or saying there. <laughs> um, I love. I think I love this bit. Is it where he goes, decircuit that? Yeah, beautiful, and then takes a step to the side. Uh, it's wonderful acting by Paul Shelley there, uh, because he's he's pacing it right, he's doing the movements right, and he know he's bringing it to the end of the episode. And this, to me, um, was much more of an episode ending than the first two, because it's it was my meat and drink. It's oh right, uh, Doctor Who's going to have his head chopped off. That's what uh, that's that's much that's a much better episode. Now, I think it's I was going to say it's the least it's the worst of the episode endings but actually i think it's made by by mighty uh, paul shelley's d circuit that and kill him uh which i love um oh everyone's getting the solo oh poor old annie lambert and Bert Quirk, but paul shelley got a solo solo slide there oh if there only been space for one more everybody could have had a, a solo caption there i like it when people get a solo caption um oh mickey edwards he was a visual effects assistant uh on many but was designer on this one um died a couple of years ago his son sent me a couple of lovely photos he looked like a character he looked a bit like the actor uh is it peter martin sort of toby jug sort of faced cheer cheery looking actor uh so there we go tony borough oh yes you'll you'll probably have well, I don't know when I will have released the interview with him, but it's going to accompany this either uh, before, no, d during or after. Anyway, that was uh, that was episode three, a very talky instalment um, of of four to doomsday. Uh, what can I choose? I, my favourite bit is when is when Paul Shelley says, "Decircuit that and kill him." But um, he's already James has already chosen enlightenment and persuasion, so he's not going to choose a moment from one of them. Uh, he's already chosen the design, the Monopticons, Monarch. Monarch is great. Stratford Johns is is brilliant. But Philip Locke is brilliant. But we can't just keep choosing people, can we? Well, I haven't I haven't chosen just people have i have chosen the episode ending and i've chosen uh the 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 lighting so do i do i choose philosophical bygone do i choose stratford johns's monarch who is a very good villain and it is a effortlessly good performance i think even though i don't like conquer earth and by Zeus I I do like the you know is is bygone dreaming of electric sheep I do I do like the whole the whole thing around bygone as that, that he is this mass of circuits but he, he you know he retains his 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 reason and his thoughtfulness and his philosophy and uh, and, and 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 you know 
the fact that 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 episode is is an enormous info dump i think it's quite nice that it is being dumped in the tones of uh of philip Locke. bygan do i say bygan i like that all the monopticons uh which i do like i do think they're pretty cool um yeah the whole androidy flesh timey bygany thing i think that's a dimension of the story that comes into the fore this episode and i'm throwing a few things in there hopefully one of which will be caught in james goss's net as he chooses his favorite thing of episode three my favorite thing about episode three is that we start to understand monarch's plan we realize that uh he believes he's god because all the best doctor who villains believe they're god and that they control human destiny and that uh, he has an entire vast spaceship full of androids who worship him this is insane this is wonderful and he's a frog he is a fruity frog congratulations doctor who <laughs> brilliantly put james and better than what i came up with and you know very true about that's that's certainly what happens is that we do start to understand the plot but only in the sense that everybody sits down and tells it us after 50 minutes of walking around a ship very slowly so i think there are different ways of doing it but i yet i still kind of admire this slightly odd thing um so and I certainly like uh, uh, listening to James talk about it because uh, he's witty and funny. And indeed, a frog who thinks he's God uh, on a spaceship with some philosophical androids. Honey and Doctor Who, eh? <laughs> well, um, do come and join me for episode four of Four to Doomsday, which, uh, which will be the very next release in this run of happy times and places but for the moment from me toby haydoke thank you very much and goodbye thank you so much for listening to happy times and places which is presented by me toby haydoke my special guest this time around is james goss who can be found on twitter at goss jam I would like to thank him and to the patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Leslie Coots, Peter Crocker, Philip Craggs, Lee Kremin, Dave Curran, Paul Philip Dahlgren, Matt Dale, Rob Dawson, Chris Davies, Hugh Davies, Robert Davies, a lot of Davies, Ian Dean, Tim Dickinson, Drew, don't know your surname, Drew, Paul Dykes, Andrew East, Andrew Egan, Mark Findlay-Smith, Chris Bone, David Gillespie, Charles Gears, Lisa Gledhill, Robin Grone, Paul J. Guest, Thomas Guerrier, Hammer House of Podcast, Susan Harrison, Steve Hatcher, Duncan Harvey, Ronald Hayden, Legion Henderson, Stephen Hill, Chris Hyam, Simon Hodges and Matthew Houliston. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. If you would like to join their number, please give your bodies to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where they will be used to nourish my fiscal situation and you will be returned uh, as a silicon chip with all sorts of podcasts stored upon it. <laughs> and uh, you can do that for as little as three. You Actually, you get to keep your body. Um, for as little as three pounds, aren't I kind? For as little as three pounds a month. Uh, and if you sign up for a year, you get a 10% discount 
even on the lowest tier, where you get most of the things which are available from my Patreon page, which are uh, advanced releases, bonus material, uh, special access, there's Ask Me Anythings and various other bits and bobs, uh, and you're generally much, much further ahead with the podcasts. In fact, uh, when the patrons listening to this, Boris Johnson's still Prime Minister, which, which surely won't be the case by the time this gets out to the world. I wonder, I wonder, do you know what he still might be? Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> you can also come and see me do uh, live comedy once a month online at twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey. That is the online version of my live stand-up gig, which is at Excess Malarkey Comedy Club in Manchester, which is on at 8pm every Tuesday night. As I record this, I'm actually about to go out and do it and host, as I always do, I'm the MC, Joe Lysett from Off of the Telly. And uh, people are paying between three and six pounds to see him because it's very, very affordable. Now, obviously, you won't be able to do that because uh, by the time you listen to this, that will be in the past. But it's an indication of the sort of thing you could be getting up to if you come to Excess Malarkey Comedy Club in Manchester at 8pm on a Tuesday. My father was killed by a tyrant. Uh, are you a tyrant? Well, I don't know if I qualify, actually. I'm, I'm, I think I'm more of a despot. I'm uh, aiming to be a tyrant. I think you'll find, sir, you're, uh, you're actually a bit more of a dictator. Oh, I see. Uh, it is, isn't it? It is like a job. My father was killed by a painter and decorator. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's, uh, he's more of an artisan. Um, anyway, <laughs> that just made me giggle. Um, that'll do. That's the end credits bit. It's not always going to be gold.